0: Welcome to the TJ Malden Leadership Podcast, where we talk about life, leadership, and the gospel. Hey, welcome to the TJ Maughlin Leadership Podcast. Today is a special episode. It is our very first interview episode where I get to have a guest on and and you get to hear about them. I have uh, chosen the next series of interviews that you guys will get to listen in on. I've chosen these people uh, because I respect them, I admire them, and I love them. And I want you to get to know them as well. So today uh, I am sitting with, um, out of all... Of the, I guess if you were to say the the five closest people to me in my life, this guy would be in the top five of my best friends, um, the people that I consider family, that I deeply respect and deeply love, and I'm honored to have him here. He's Tim Bice. He's the church. He's the he's a church planner in Albany, Georgia. He's the pastor of Greenbrier Church, and Tim, you're you got another title because you just started doing something with Acts 29, yeah. net Church Planning Network. What what is that title?
1: Uh, regional director uh, over Georgia and the Panhandle. Yeah.
0: yeah, so he's an important dude. He's a big deal. So not really. Um, he's <laughs> <laughs> um, so, a volunteer uh, position, so uh, not really. No doubt. But I wanted, uh, I just wanted him to come on so you could uh, hear his testimony. And uh, I think church planning is interesting um, in the season of church planning and pastoring that we're in right now. So, uh, Tim, if you would, just uh, give us a snapshot. Uh, tell uh, your story of how you came to faith in Jesus um, listening to the sermon, driving down the road, uh, just give us a snapshot yeah. of what it was like coming to Jesus. And then st- you started pastoring very young uh, with a young wife, young family. Uh, tell us a little bit about
1: that. Man, I grew up right down the road from here. We're in Tifton, Georgia. I grew up in Sylvester, Georgia. And I was voted uh, most likely to not succeed. I think I was voted most likely to either be in jail or die. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh, first, be in jail or die in my in my class, and we had our ten year class reunion. Um, we did another voting, most changed, mm. and I got that out of our. We had a large graduating class. I was most changed, but it wasn't me. Is was what happened to me uh, in my conversion? It's what happened to me because of what Jesus did for me. So you were
0: were and you so, raised? Your parents were they spiritual? Were they church? Would you would you have considered yourself
1: unchurched mm-hmm. or churched? Unchurched. Okay. When I was a kid, we went to church. So That's I learned right. about God. I learned that there was one. And deep down, I believed. I mean, I was a theist. I believed in sure. God. But it got really bad. Drugs, alcohol, the whole thing, right? You know, a lot of young men go through that. That was me. Um, but, like, I, I even started doubting the existence of God. Um, and then uh, Jay, my wife, got pregnant with Will, our first child. And I'm like, what am I doing in my life? Uh, I think that started the journey, the quest to find out a little bit more about life. Um, and through that process, realized that I was a sinner. God was nowhere near being a priority or central to my life. And I didn't know what to do. And it's funny because I wasn't discipled, really. <laughs> and so I was like, uh, the day that I got saved, I was like, God, uh, I, I, I'll i give you me because that's all that I got. you know. yeah. And that was yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Know, you know, and then later on, I feel like I was discipled a little bit by some people that helped. Were you driving down the road
0: listening to... Um this yeah. is interesting to me because the pro- the proclamation of the gospel, like that story, yeah. that part of your life has always been interesting to me how, how it, it reminded me, I remember the first time I heard you tell the story 20 years ago, almost, holy holy cow, I don't know. Um, it reminded me, and it was very apparent to me that God could get you wherever he wanted you. Yeah. Like you didn't have to be somewhere specific. Remind me, because... Yeah.
1: Yeah. So a lot of things led up to that. Yeah. Um... A Christian hired me, so I was working for a Christian. We did daily devotions. I was going to church because um, Jay, my wife's family, went to, that's what you did. Like, you didn't get to choose, just expected of you, and so I was doing that. And it it just sort of of led up to, I think, the day that I surrendered. Um, I was driving down the road. I was working for a tire company, wholesale tire distributor. Um, And I was going from town to town trying to pick up new accounts, had a tire full of uh, or a van full of tires this day, and I was listening to David Jeremiah on the on the radio. Dude, I I don't even know what all he said. I just remember to the end of his sermon, I'm like, uh, I'm a sinner, but you're yeah. saving. me. Like, it was two things at once. Like I am a sinner, you're saving me. Oh my, you know. Um, and everything was just different from that day on. So right? that's the moment that you really felt like the Holy
0: Spirit converted you. Yes, like there there was that a was genuine conversion. transformation. Mm-hmm. Cool. I do believe so. How old were you when that happened?
1: I was twenty-four. Okay, twenty-four, and started preaching when I was twenty-four. <laughs> yeah, uh, unwise. Any leader uh, or potential leaders out there, young guys, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, find someone to mentor and disciple you. Yeah, I did not do that. So you, so okay, so you get saved
0: in. Yeah. What year is this?
1: 97.
0: Okay, so you get saved in 97. Yep. You start preaching in 97. Yes. Now, was this at one particular church, or did you start traveling around? Yeah,
1: no, so I gave my testimony okay. Um, in June of 97. I was saved in February, I think it was, February or March, uh, and I gave my testimony in June. And then, so I was asked to give it to the He was like, you know— There's a Southern Baptist church, and they had something called Brotherhood. Sure. Um, And so I shared it there, and they were like, can you share it from the whole church? So I did. And then I got invites to other churches, and I was really young in my faith. And and the next thing I know, man, like I'm going from church to church to church just giving my testimony, which turned into preaching. And so I'm 20, this time, 26, 27 years old, Traveling around preaching. You know, what I think that does
0: though. Like for me, when I hear that, what like you were unskilled in the faith, right? Well, like when I say the faith, like in theology, skilled doctrine, communicator, you, yeah,
1: unskilled in the faith,
0: right? You're a skilled communicator. You were a good salesman, like right? You were, and and what I mean is, but I think it that's evidence of how hungry the church is for authenticity. You Probably. didn't know how to be churchy, right? You didn't know how to be oh man, preachery. <laughs> and, and, I was and, the
1: opposite of whatever churchy is.
0: So I, I think that. Because my story similar that I came to faith New Year's Eve my sophomore year. I started preaching that spring high in school. April. Yeah, in high school. Not yeah, new, yeah, New Year's <laughs> Eve. But but I started preaching soon after that. And the reason I think for for guys, it doctrine matters. Theology is is paramount. Gospel centeredness is um, and a love for the word. But I I think the reason that you were so successful early on, it's something that I've thought about in my own life is that people are churches are over being churched.
1: Over church, under Gospel.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and so they saw an authentic representation of what the right. gospel can do in someone's life. In a lot of ways, it's yeah. probably people felt for you and didn't articulate in the same way that people did about the disciples. Like, hey, these guys are unlearned in, in certain aspects, but they've been with Jesus. Like, yeah. there's been this considerable transformation yeah, in their and, life. And the
1: crazy thing was people were converting while I preached. And I, I mean, I didn't even know what uh, any kind of doctrine... I don't even know if I could spell doctrine at the time, right?
2: You know, (laughs) yeah. yeah. Now I'm a
1: you know a doctrinal nerd almost, and but back then it was nothing but just, hey, Jesus died in your place for your sins, and you can have forgiveness and spend eternity with Him. That was pretty much the message. So,
0: being a Pat, let me ask you this: Um, knowing that you served in two was it it was two Southern Baptist churches, right? Yes. Um,
1: Don't get me in trouble here. (laughs)
0: I'm not I'm not I might get you in dude, trouble dude. actually right so knowing that you serve in two um knowing that you served in two Southern Baptist churches <clears throat> do you feel like you started your your journey with Jesus and ministry gospel heavy but unchurched? And that as you move through Southern Baptist churches, you adopted things, practices, and preferences that you had to allow the Lord to, to, to really cut away from your life to get back to being gospel-centered?
1: Sure. I think, um, I, think I was central in gospel evangelism. Got I don't you. think I was central in all of life right. gospel application. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, in other words, I could tell you the gospel, but, and, um, but it was kind of like, this is the entryway into salvation. Right. Now let's talk about the Bible. Let me be biblically literate for you and tell you about the Bible. But what I, what I, what I was learning, though, was, no, it's the same, the same gospel that saved me is still the same gospel that's saving me. And yeah. you can apply it to everyday life. It's grace. It's the grace of God applied to your life every single day. And so, yeah, being in those first two churches didn't help me become gospel-centered, for, for sure. Um, and I do think there was a lot that I had to cut off. Sure. Um, relearn. I had to deconstruct some some traditions, habits that I had had learned, um, and let the Holy Spirit reshape me. Um, in particular, with gospel centrality, I think that's sure. just a grace-centered life.
0: Okay, so l- let me ask it this way: you you transitioned out of uh, a Southern Baptist church in South Georgia to church planting. Like felt the call, felt the sense. We both did. We planted and we'll, we'll tell that story cuz that is an incredible God <laughs> story. We oh, planted yeah. um Greenbrier Church in Albany mm-hmm. together 2008. 2008,
1: September um, 14th, 2008.
0: Absolutely. And what what was so amazing about the story of the church plant, you remember the prayer journal, um so I'm 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 like we're both praying about this. We're I, I'd stepped out of the church, that temp, we we'd served together in another church and so I started praying. I wrote my prayer journal, and I it was this specific and this wild. Wow, and this is my Pentecostal roots coming out because I'll just be like laying blankets in the yard, be like, That's God, why- <laughs> let the
1: dew fall on
0: them. You know, I mean, I just I get you know. That's why we never and, fit in anywhere. Exactly. <laughs> Let's just start our own thing. Exactly. Right? Are you Reformed Charismatic? Yes. Yeah. Um, Where do I fit? How, how, yeah, I'm a mutt. I tell people this all the time. Tim, I've told our church this. I said, theologically. My non-negotiables are set, but when it comes to like gifts of the spirit and what God can do and stuff, it's like when people look at me theologically, if you look at me, I'm like that dog running through the trailer park that I grew up in. I remember this dog. If you look at him one way, you're like, oh, that's a chow. And then he's like running the other direction. You're like, wait, that's a German shepherd. And then you're like, oh, I don't know. Maybe he's a lab. You really don't know. Um, I feel that. So, but saying all that, circling it back, I... It was interesting to me that I, I remember praying specifically, and I wrote my prayer journal on August 25th. I wrote down, God, if it be your will for Tim and I to plant a church together, uh, <laughs> let Jay ask her principal if we can use the lunchroom as a sanctuary. I remember phrasing it like that, and it was, um, gosh, that later that week, he called me, and we just had a regular conversation. And then at the end of the conversation, you you just said, uh, just haphazardly, almost like, oh, by the way, Jay talked to the principal and uh, they're cool with us using the lunchroom <laughs> or whatever to have service in. And I remember freaking out and, you know, just crying and stuff. It's like, God is real, whatever. Um, <laughs> but then then we planted.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. And
0: um, Well, another crazy that, yeah.
1: part of that story is, um, so we were trying to, to find a name for the church. And we thought that we'd be close to Live Oak Elementary School in Albany, which, which is the west side of town. And so we were, like, looking at street names and things like that, and it was late that night. And we had to have some things turned in to become incorporated, and we needed a name. Yeah. And it was it was late. I was like, bro, I grew up on Greenbrier Avenue. I was like, can we just call it? I mean, does it matter what we call it as long as— we're preaching the gospel. And you're like, I don't care. That sounds good to me. Yeah. It's so like the that. next day, <laughs> I'm taking Will to soccer practice and um I'm I'm driving back home. And do you remember the chocolates? you remember the little chocolate phones? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, had yeah, yeah, you're yeah. the first one to have them. Yeah. You're yeah. also the first person I ever saw do a selfie, but that's that's <laughs> the side's side point. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> thank but, you. Thank <laughs> you for, for
0: reminding me. I'm like, what I'm, are you doing over there? I'm, <laughs> All right, I had Bieber's hair before Bieber was. I think Bieber was like four years old. I don't even know if he was born when I had the Bieber swoosh going. Go ahead.
1: But I had a chocolate too, and I remember texting you. That this was also before the laws. You can't text and drive, right? So I'm texting you with my chocolate, driving down the road. What do you think about the name? And I was about to type the name Greenbrier, and I ran off the road. I guess that's why they made a law not to text and drive, right? (laughs) Uh, And and when when I did, I looked up. And I was about to run over a sign that said Greenbrier Apartment, and I'm like, Yeah, I remember. And I, that. I told you the story. That. You're like, Let's yeah. name it that. Sounds like the Lord's in it, you know. That, that, and that's that yeah. mud theology, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it g- it's gotta be. <laughs> I, got. I almost ran into the sign. Might as well be God. So somebody yeah. came up to me not too long ago, and I said, We need to t- change the name of the church. I'm like, What do you mean? He's like, Yeah, I looked up Greenbrier. And it's a like fruitless thorny vine. I'm like, what? God redeems. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, we're not changing the name of our church, bro. Thanks, so (laughs) appreciate that. That's
0: hilarious. Yeah. Okay. So we, um, we planted, um, in 2008, in a living room, in our living room. Um, we anticipated, I I remember that night, it was a sleepless night. We anticipated, you know, 10, 20 people maybe showing up. And and then we got, uh,
1: 55.
0: Yep. 55 that morning. And it was wild. And it grew, well, it was like three months from 55 to like 100 in the lunchroom. It grew
1: quick to begin with. And then we capped. And then it, slowly grew capped slowly grew but yeah to begin with it was like what are we doing with all these people we don't know what to do yeah. with all these people yeah,
0: yeah i remember we were putting we were putting people in random places but like <laughs> oh you have a heartbeat sure you can you can do this... the welcome desk oh you have a pulse you can sing no problem yeah. um finer ran sound do you remember that I do. <laughs> um so so this is a part where do you um, remember the
1: guy that did the Axl rose <laughs> he led worship and he like I had a bandana and everything and like hugged the mic. We were all like, don't remember <laughs> that? I think i that? emotionally yeah. distanced that from that my That was my his first and last time singing on stage. But I, anyway. I don't remember that at all. You, you probably erased it.
0: So I'm, I'm yeah. sure I did. I wish so I would have. I led, I led music. I led our college yep. Bible study. We had a college Bible study at 12 B. I led music, college Bible mm-hmm. study. I did the church membership class. You, um, you did administration, primary preaching role, um, vision casting, mm-hmm. and we shared that as co-pastors. Um, then uh, and I want to share this, and I want to I want to give a clear representation of this before we jump into this. Um, I'll fill
1: in the gaps. Whatever. Yeah.
0: So well, <laughs> I, I did nothing unethical
1: or immoral. Right. Um, um right. there was, I, I would there say there was no fall from grace. There was no like, immoral, right. there was no uh, like moral failure,
0: but you did make the worst like mistake that. in your ministry. And you fired me, uh, at some Bro, point, that ain't the yeah. worst thing I've done. <laughs> no, I know. I'm just playing. Um, but you did, you, um, <laughs> I was terminated. Um, I was actually on, gone on an internship when the decision was made that I was let go from the church. Um, I was, sir, I was sur- doing an internship in Boston. Um and really there had been leadership tension. It was really two visions pulling in different directions. You're
1: two strong um, leaders.
0: Yeah, two really. Yeah, two. It was hard. Um, and I'm young. an eight on the enneagram, so I'm a challenger. I was constantly challenging, and, um, and and so we there was always a lot. There was just and I'm tension. I'm a three. I'm
1: trying. I'm trying to accomplish.
0: Yeah, and, and so there was this rub. There was this tension. There was this frustration, which I think bred bitterness. Uh, I know sin in my heart. Frustration on my end. Um you know, pulling in two different directions. And it finally just got to a point where I think we both had amassed enough sin to where the Lord was no longer being honored in our, in our, in our partnership in the gospel at that time. So, um,
1: by God's grace, well, let me go back now because here it went on. That sounds like it was short term. Oh no, it was. This went on for a very long time because, um, I called you to the house and I said, Hey man, I need to let you go. You're like, you're letting me go. And we had this long conversation um, I didn't eat anything for like three days leading up to that. Yeah. And I was I was in bad shape. My inside, because I love you, you're my yeah. brother, my best friend and my brother. Yeah. And it was probably the hardest thing that I've had to do, um, or I thought that I had to do at least. Um, and then we got back together to talk, and we tried to make another go at it. I don't know if you remember that part. And you were like, can you give me some clear expectations? We tried to work that out. And we just bumped along. At that, that point, was the, we just bumped along. So tell me along if I'm along. wrong,
0: but that was where I would get evaluated every Friday. It was like three yeah. months of being evaluated every Friday.
1: Well, you, how old were you? Gosh, You're in your 20s. 20. You're 24, 23, 22. Have you let in 22 year olds lately?
0: Uh, bro, listen. I tell, I told somebody the other day, and I said it in fairness. I was like, right, like, and and the, this is the way I phrased it. I said, and we'll get to the purpose of why we're bringing this up in just a second. <laughs> but I told somebody the other day. I said, I. In the same way that you say it, was there sin involved in my departure from Greenbrier? In your heart, sure. In my heart, absolutely. Could it have been handled in a completely better way? Yes. Would I have fired me? <laughs> Probably. Like like in in full transparency. Like when I look at when I look yeah. at the past. But the purpose and the primary reason that I I want to have this conversation. Is because yeah. what you don't hear about, and this is what you don't hear about in church, th- there were two years after that um, where, I mean, for you, I, I mean, I, I... I was angry and bitter. You were wounded and hurt. Right. And yep. struggling. Yeah. And so for two years, we didn't and probably talk. probably bitter. Did, yeah, I was super bitter, angry. which when
1: I shot your deer.
2: Yeah,
0: that was, that was, it was like insult and injury. Y'all, this is not, this is not, <laughs> I, I can't make this up. Tim fired me. <laughs> and then that fall, we hunted properties that joined
1: each other. And we had, and we had never hunted properties. We had never either.
0: hunted pr- properties came before. came after. I, I was hunting this one specific deer I had on camera, and this fool shoots that deer that year. I'm like, how can you add insult to injury like that? And I really just thought God hated me. So um, I had no idea he would use it for such glory and end up making me a better, better hunter at the end of the day, which is awesome. So th- this but this is why the circle back. Life is fun. You. You don't have a story. I don't feel like you have a story where there's that much tension and there's a lot. frustration and wounds. And now, genuinely, um, man, five years ago when my ears ruptured, and most people listening know about this, and our faith family, when I was in a pit of despair, and this has been like this back and forth common grace between us, like the one person that my wife calls and the one person that we reach out to is like, Hey, you got to come to the house. It's Tim. And uh, you walked around. Remember I was miserable, walking in the yard, depressed, struggling. And that story doesn't happen. The reason why I like and I didn't like it in the time, but I look back with such gratitude on that season is it's a reminder to me that there, are, there's no relationship. There's no friendship that's so broken that it can't be restored. That's right. And, and, Pastors don't hear this. This happens all the time. Pastors, small group leaders, people leave churches. They're frustrated. They're bitter. They're angry. They're hurt. They're upset. And they live that way forever. They do. And they carry those wounds. And then they share those wounds mm-hmm. with other people. They borrow those offenses and they take that offense to the next church, yeah. that offense to the next job. Yeah. And I've even seen it here for, for a long time. I didn't trust leadership. I didn't let leadership pour into me because I was always waiting for the foot to drop. Like, yeah. All right. When do I'm when I'm going to get the axe? I literally said it the other day to somebody here <laughs> I've been here ten years, and I was like, "They're like, hey, are you thinking about doing so? You know, I'm. Home, they might fire me, mm-hmm. but you know." And I say it jokingly now, but but I think it's important for people to see and to hear that story because that kind of reconciliation doesn't happen in the church. It's because it's hard, and it doesn't happen. It it is. And I remember
1: nobody wants to go through that pain. Nobody wants to go through the pain. I feel like they're gonna re, re, you know. Relive the pain, and nobody
0: wants to go through the hard work of restoration. I remember, yeah. um, I remember this. I, I mean, I see this like it was yesterday.
1: We sat down. It was after two years. Um, we you, God had been working on both of us. God had. I can't remember who reached out to you. I think I think I, I reached out to you. I can't remember. You did, and I okay. was so
0: glad, y'all, because I said in my mind, I was like. I had this list of things in my mind. I was like, I'm going to tell this fool this. I'm <laughs> going to say this. And I'm probably even going to drop a few <laughs> cuss words in here. And I'm just like, I don't even care. I'll probably flip the table over. I mean, I'm an eight. So I'm like.
1: Probably deserved well,
0: it. Well, I had this list of things in my mind. I'll never forget. We sat down on the table. You looked across. And the first thing you said, and uh, you said, I sinned against you. That's the first thing you said. You said, dude, I sinned against you bro, I started crying. I said, I sinned against you too, man. And it was like, you remember that? It was like an hour of just confession and repentance and realizing that in every story, no matter how right one person feels, there's sin in both hearts usually. Oh yeah. And, and there's mixed messages and mixed motives. And if you can ever work back and I, and I say that because I know a lot of guys listen, a lot of guys follow it. It doesn't matter if it's relationship, friendship, family, or your church. There's always going to be an opportunity for sin, but there's always an opportunity for restoration. Always. Always an opportunity.
1: So. And you can't control yeah. what the other person does either. Right. Like, but it, and it's not on you. Like, we're all, we're all responsible to respond in a gospel centric, biblical way as believers. And here's what I mean by that uh, a couple of things. First of all, if you've been sinned against, it, it doesn't hold a candle. To the amount of sin we've sinned against God, That's right? And He forgave us. Yeah, He restored us. As a matter of fact, it says his, his kindness leads us to repentance. And so, whatever offense is 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 before you in, in your in your vision of what someone has done to you, whatever that is, man, like you're a sinner too. Yeah, right. That's good. Um, yeah. and 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 probably a greater sinner than the person that offended you. But Jesus forgives you. And see, so yeah. that's where we're talking about gospel centrality. I mean, if you look at Colossians 3, um, it says that. It says, forgive one another as Jesus Christ has forgiven you. Like, yeah. And when we forget that we're forgiven...
0: The prescription and the pattern is the forgiveness of Christ, right? Yeah. So there's nothing, there's no offense right. that someone can bring to the table right. that trumps the offense so that we commit to putting Christ on the cross. Yeah, that's good. We've
1: been set free, and so when when Christ sets you free, he also frees you to go... Uh, confront your brother or sister in a loving way, or to confess to your brother and sister in a loving way and that's what we've been that's what we've been called to do yeah, and it is not easy, yeah, but it is worth it.
0: amen. how do you think that experience and we're gonna move on from that um, because I, I want to ask you some questions about leadership okay. in the church and family, but how do you feel like that experience? I know that experience shaped the way that I lead people now in mm. our organization. Um, in our church I, I've had the opportunity to be the executive pastor here at our church and in that I'm primarily responsible for shepherding and thinking about looking after the staff, job transitions, um, hiring, firing uh, promotions, those sort of things i've I've had the opportunity to to be able to 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 influence that and to lead that and I know that I, I, a lot of the way that I operate and do things, was birthed out of the way that moment was handled and the things I learned and things that I observed. How do you think, give me two things, how do you think that shaped your leadership?
1: Probably on a couple of fronts, I'd say the the primary one is how I lead young people. Um, All the way from like how much rope should I give them where we don't both get injured, (laughs) right? Yeah. Uh, But also making sure that I'm giving people and I'm patient. Yeah. Speaking of Colossians 3, it talks about that, right? It talks about things we need to take off. So like when yeah. you and I sat down, yeah. we we in, we spiritually took off anger and malice and wrath. We yeah. put those things away because they were inconsistent with our new identity in Christ. That's we, right. We, we put them away. Um, and then so we get in verse 12, it says, to put on some things yeah. as the beloved of Christ. So if you're loved, you're forgiven, you're these things, you have a new identity— you put on. Yeah. And so we put on love and compassion and kindness and meekness and humility. And and I think that's what it, it looks like uh in in leadership. You know, there's a lot of talk these days about, you know, harsh leadership. And one of the things I know God has called us to is is to lead with kindness because that's how he leads us. Yeah. And so I think that's a big part. I give you an example. I was talking to uh, another guy that planted a church with us, Johnny Schroeder. Um, y'all were roommates, actually. Yeah, yeah. Twelve or four B, man. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, he's he's planting a church in yeah. Americus, Georgia, in a, in a year and a half, probably. Out of our church, we're sending him out to plant. And so we were talking today on the way here. I was on the phone with him, and he's like, "Man, thank you for taking a chance on me. If if it were me, I I would not have." Let myself last for two years, but you did, and I thank you for it. I'm like, well, it's probably because of what you and I, TJ, went through. Yeah, you know, I could have done the same thing to him. Just like I'm frustrated with you. Yeah, you're not helping me accomplish my dreams and my goals. You're yeah. in my way. You're frustrating. I need somebody else because that's what I did. That was yeah. my. That was how I sinned against you. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 I think I, I think I've learned. <laughs> Uh, How to better lead? Because isn't that funny? How you know there's a scripture that says all God works all things together for our good to those who love God and called according to His purpose. Absolutely. Like even our failures. Yeah. Our sin and our failures. It's only in the economy of God He makes you such a winner. Yeah. Well, when you sin and fail, that's
2: something too. turns
1: it around.
0: That I. It's so funny too. But we were talking yesterday and staff or Monday and staff we were talking about broken homes, parenting and those things. And I, I told someone, I said, man, I did not know how to parent, right? Like in, and this goes Learned? back to even I still in... Don't know how. well th- this is what you know what I'm saying like I, I know <laughs> so the only thing I'm good at is making waffles for them and it's the pre-made ones in that are already frozen i'll put them in the toaster so that's about the culmina no, but here's the thing this is what I realized that even in all those moments of difficulty and brokenness and what we walk through and it's important for people to understand that it was a really rough season because now now and I can't I don't know how many conversations, hundreds of conversations we've had since then, since that moment of reconciliation, to where we lean on one another at times of prayer, mm-hmm. times of hard seasons in ministry, like having that one person, at least one person you know, all right, this dude's in my corner.
1: Um corner post, man.
0: Yeah, you you have those people in your life. I think that's important, but one thing for me is watching the progression of your leadership. Like I'm thankful for my ministry in my life. That we like, like you said, all things work together for the good because it shaped me to be the leader that I am and the man that I am, the, even the father and the husband. I got to look in. It, this is another part that I that we didn't mention earlier, but like I lived with you guys. Remember, I mean, I know you know. Oh, yeah. Two years, I lived yeah. on your back porch. Like, y'all, he had a walled-in back porch. I lived there for two years. Sunroom. And, uh, or sunroom. Yeah, that's <laughs> <it's> how rich <laughs> people say back porch with glass <laughs> windows. You know what I'm saying? You know, you got money when you call your back porch this walled. I'm just right. playing, but um I, I was able to look in on see to see how a husband loves his wife and kids love mm-hmm. their parents and, and how to parent children so even through those hard seasons it was a gift to me and and I know you know that but I want that to be known it was such a gift to me to be discipled as, this is what a husband looks like that reconciles and loves his wife this is what a dad looks like that that seeks reconciliation with his children disciplines them appropriately you gifted me with that and um so I'm really thankful for that season but but I am thankful that that I've I think one of the things I'm most thankful for now, this this many years removed, that was what, 12 years ago? 10 years ago almost? Or almost 12. It was over 10 yeah. years ago. Have Watching you grow into a leader that is compassionate, kind, gospel-centered in such a way to where you're glad to go last so everybody you're leading goes first for the kingdom of God, like, and so that they grow. I mean, you, I've watched that progression of leadership and growth happen in your life. And I think it's incredible. Um, and I think it comes back to being gospel centered. And, and I think every difficulty, if, if you look at it with, all right, how do I confess my sin here and how do I seek reconciliation, whether it's with God or with people or both like that grows us to be who God's called us to be as leaders. Um,
1: yeah, and I, and I think just to add what you're saying is, if you have people in your life, even in like what we went through, you learn from me things I did well, but you learn more from me where I failed, mm. um, and then went back and tried to sure. reconcile that. Even. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. And so um, we're always learning from others, even if even if they wound us. Yeah, you uh, <laughs> learn what not to do. You know, yeah.
0: I think so, it's a good point too, and and I want to transition. To, to this next part, because I do think um, what God has done with you in leadership and being able to not just lead people um, on a on a larger scale, and I think a more intentional and better scale than you've ever had in your life. I feel like you're in a season where you're you're leading your church well, you're leading people well, and you're also leading well organizationally. Um, I think just to transition away from that, I, I think our relation, our friendship now is such a reminder that you, you don't give up on gospel-centered relationships and friendships, right. mentoring opportunities, and investment in other people's lives uh, just because of wounds, right? Like things are healable, if you will. Things are um, able to be reconciled. Last yes. thing um, I, I really want to ask of you, Um, what do you feel like, uh, because I do, I do respect your leadership and your voice for the kingdom of God and the season that you're in. You're, you're able to speak into, um, assessments and assessing young pastors, uh, elder assessment, um, in Acts 29, um, it, it, so for those of you listening, Acts 29, um, is, is more reformed, um, even in their polity, the way that they, that they function as churches and, and most Southern Baptist churches are congregational led in the sense that, um, you have deacons, um, that really function as administrators in the business model. Um, Tim's church and most Acts 29 churches um, have deacons that serve actually as deacons, male and female. They're the servants of the church and they have elders who are the pastor slash administrators of the business of the church and the direction vision of the church. Would that be a good snapshot?
1: Yeah, I think so. Elders are, um, servant leaders, deacons lead servants is how we say it. Right. Um, and yeah, we, we believe that, uh, scripturally we see elders uh, leading uh, and overseeing church and I think that in in some some churches that are deacon led they they're just acting as pseudo elders really is, right. is what it is they just got the wrong office name probably cool I'm trying to be kind no
0: no that's good that's good Um uh, I was like, was I kind? No, I, you were okay, kind. Right, I tell all right. people all the time. I say the the problem with the church, a lot of churches that de, deacons feel like they are elected officials rather than selected servants, and that that there yeah. have been churches that have been deeply wounded by that. That's a whole another podcast for well, another churches day. Churches should be we'll led
1: by plurality. Sure, it just needs to be elders, sure. and we also believe those should, elders should be pastors. Yeah, I mean that's Absolutely. the way all the New Testament churches were led.
0: So ha- having said that, what, what do you feel like, like surveying leadership, being able to be a voice into a lot of pastors' lives, and you hear from a lot of pastors, what do you feel like, and and I don't know where we are in time, we're probably running out of it, but I, I want to at least hear two or three things that you feel like are going to be challenging in this next season, this next phase of ministry, the world's changing yeah. so rapidly, right, and um, you see a lot of spiritual leaders who are um, who are falling. Honestly, right? Like I mean, everywhere you look, it seems like they're on social quitting. media they're quitting or they're falling. You're right, um, and it largely due to clergy killers. That's another in, entire podcast. But from your perspective, yeah. uh, being the leader that you are, the pastor, the shepherd, um, what do you see being some of the challenges that are going to approach the church? And if there's a young pastor listening or an old pastor. That's just struggling right now. Where where do you feel like he should focus his energy and his effort, his resources, his time? What are the challenges you see, and how should how should that pastor, that leader,
1: mm-hmm. um, invest their time, talent, resources? I think um, what so we do do a lot of assessments um, for young church planters, and the number one issue that I see with young church planters um, revolves around elders, eldership. Um, usually, it's the refrain from young guys is, "Yeah, I know I need elders," um, but they kind of lump that into, "I need to get a church building, I need to get some money, some sponsors, some donations, some people, some elders." Yeah, sure. Um, but I, I did. A, I, I think having a plurality of true qualified men to do this thing with in the future, will be a must. And I think there are two or three reasons why. Um, One of them is, man, uh, one dude just cannot carry the load. Right. And he doesn't need to be separated, say, for example, from deacons. Sure. Where you've got two governmental structures kind of parallel. That doesn't work. Anything with two heads is considered a monster. Um, But I do think that, like, a plurality, maybe with the first among equals, that's how we do it, that's how we work hours, is, is so important. Um, and, and here's here's the reason why. I think churches are going to get smaller probably over the next few years. We still see a decline, of course, here in Christianity. And I think it's going to be, I think successful or fruitful churches are going to find success and fruit in actually shepherding their, their members through relationship. Mm. And it takes a lot of men to do that. Um, and 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 at the same time, the, I think the congregations to be shrink, shrinking. But here's m- one of my main concerns, and I mentioned this to you through te- you and I texted about this the other day. There is a a narrative that's building out there, usually in podcast land. Um, a, this narrative is pastors are bullies,
2: mm.
1: and we we saw the rise and fall of Mars Hill podcast become one of the most successful podcasts church podcast in I don't know how many years, right? Yeah. Um, I think there were some good things about that podcast, reminding us as leaders how not to act. Sure. Do not be harsh. Be kind, right? To lead with humility, don't get ahead in in pride. Uh, I think that was good, but I think it has some unintended um, things that that happened with that. Like, for example, there's a new podcast out right now, um, and it is strictly on interviewing victims of pastors in the church. And I think on one side, we probably need to hear that. Sure. Especially when it's true. Yeah. Of course. Um, But man, my my concern, have you ever heard the term narrative fit? Sure. Okay. So the narrative fit out there, this is the new thing. Got to jump on it. And then I've got right. to get I got to make sure that I get a share in this new market. yeah. So I'm going to get the share in this new market, so now I've got to build this thing so that we can be successful. and the whole time is building a narrative of bully pastor that's going to cripple guys like you and I who love people.
0: Sure. sure. I, I said does that it, make sense? Yeah, completely I and said so without, it,
1: without a plurality, yeah, they'll take you down. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah.
0: I said it the other day to our staff and to our team. And I think I I might have even said this in a... I did. I said this in a sermon, I think, three weeks ago. I said, if someone can label me as... I'm I'm an eight on the Enneagram. If you don't know what the Enneagram is, it would be an A-type personality. Some number Um, jerk. Yeah, yeah. You know, you get told that you're sometimes too forceful, too blunt, too aggressive, you know, very high drive, very um, not afraid of confrontation. I don't love confrontation, but I'm not afraid of it. So I'm I'm typically the, the one that handles those type things in whatever organization I'm in. And... I said this the other day, and, and this goes back to your point. I said, if somebody can label me prideful, then they justify themselves not having to listen to what I have to say. And that's what people are doing. I, I feel like in the same way, well, well this Pastor, this person did an unkind thing, so they're labeled as unkind. This pastor person did a prideful thing, so they're prideful, you know. And so now I don't have to listen to what they have to say. And because I can, I can demote the pastor, or I can demote the spiritual mentor in my life. Then I don't actually have to listen to what God has to I say. I don't have to be held accountable. I, I don't have to be held accountable. That's right. You're judging me, right? right? Like it's not, it's not that somebody's speaking truth into my life and wants to keep me accountable. It's that well, he's prideful, he's whatever. So now I don't have to listen. Yeah. And uh, the same thing. What's interesting, I think, the same thing for years that's happened with media, right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what's eternal. Eternal and Fox, they've got their their narrative. They build eternal scene, and they got their mm-hmm. they have their narrative. Now it's infiltrated the church to where there's yeah. there's you know social justice. I'm going to build this narrative, and and even in communities where for years, and this is one thing I've seen recently, even in communities where there's been unity and there's been. Um, unity, you know, racial unity and diversity and service and leadership, communities coming together, now that that was, became the national narrative, now a lot of places that for years had this unity and this cooperation are starting to feel this tension of, yeah. of should we adopt this national narrative for social justice mm-hmm. even though our community doesn't look like what they're saying. Yeah. So, uh, like, basically what you're saying is you're adopting Again, yeah, we're story-formed.
1: Yeah, exactly. We're yeah. a story-formed people because yes. that's how God has designed us. Yeah. God's story is his word. It's in four parts. It's a redemptive historical narrative. Creation, fall, restor- uh, redemption, and then restoration. restoration. And like, that's how we learn. And so... You know, we went through the book of Revelation not too long ago, verse by verse. Don't, I would not suggest doing that. You like.
0: don't have to worry about me. Uh, that. Sorry. <laughs>
1: but like <laughs> one of the things we learned about the false prophet was he spins narratives. He spins mm. stories, right? And so like that's how people get caught off guard. They believe a – we're story form, so we believe narratives. And I do think that that is going to be a narrative that that pastors are jerk bullies mm. and they can't be trusted so how do you what do you do about that? Well you surround yourself with other men who are also pastors so that there's a plurality holding one another accountable in leadership and your congregation is seeing that each pastor is holding the other one accountable That's good and that and that we're also taking seriously accusations um, and that we have processes in place with this plurality that's taking these accusations seriously and doing investigations. And and when your congregation sees that they, it, it starts to build trust. Another thing I think is just is plain out tenure. Yeah. How what's my track record? Yeah. You know, someone accused me not too long ago of being a bully. One only time it's ever happened, and I'm like, never that's never happened. But like, I'm thinking, what's my track record? Sure. You know, I'm not a bully, but I got a backbone. Yeah. Like every leader should. Yeah. Sure. Right. And so that, that's my fear, man, is like the backbone. is gonna, People are going to try to rip out the backbone of leaders, um, but and, and they'll try. But, man, it, it's really hard to rip out the backbone of five, six, seven, eight elders that right. are in unity. Speaking
0: in concert together, gospel first, <laughs> yes. accountability. Yeah, that's good.
1: Absolutely. That's, that's awesome. But, yeah, that, that's what I'm seeing, but I've, I've been wrong before, of course, so I may be wrong about that.
0: Well, dude, listen, thank you for hanging out with me and spending some yeah, time man. with me. But before we go, do do tell me, tell me you're you're married to Jay Bice.
1: Jay? 25 years. Jay Berber. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 25 was, years. Yep. Yep. Son Will, 25. Daughter Emily, 22. Dude, no, Better be
0: 23. I I just wish he
1: would propose to the girl he's <laughs> dating.
0: Can I just say that? <laughs> I've, already him, dude,
1: listen, I've already asked her, will you marry us? I've already asked her. I got down on one knee. Every, I was like, what do you want? What do you want?
0: He posted a picture on his Instagram the other day. It was them two standing together. All I sent was, well, dot, dot, dot. He was like, I'll, "I'll in time, dude, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I was like, you just need to do it, bro. Don't miss out on this opportunity. Anyways, so there's Will, there's Emily. Lanny Kate, 16.
1: Uh, Ellie is eight. So awesome. we've got, got them spread out pretty well.
0: That's awesome, man. Um, dude, thank you. Thank you for your thank time. You. I honor you. I appreciate you so much as a friend, a pastor, a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and a brother, man, uh, I'm, I'm so grateful to God for our friendship and, and, uh, just getting, uh, everyone else to, you know, at least the people that I get an opportunity to influence to, for them to hear your mm-hmm. voice and, um, and see reconciliation, but not only that to see a pastor who's been faithfully following Jesus, mm-hmm. um, enduring for the sake of the gospel and who my life, and, and I want you to hear this. My life is fruit from your faithfulness. Um, yeah. so I'm, I'm super grateful <laughs> for you and for that. And, uh, see y'all like subscribe. If you uh, if you found something about this that was beneficial that you glean something, share it with someone else and uh, and always remember we're gonna talk about life leadership and the gospel. love you guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the TJ Malden Leadership Podcast where we talk about life, leadership, and the gospel. If you enjoyed this episode, share with a friend. For more content, follow us on Instagram and YouTube. If you have any questions you would like to ask TJ, whether it is about life, leadership, or the gospel, you can email those to TJMaldenLeadershipPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you join us again on the TJ Malden Leadership Podcast.